Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt. Thank you. Respect, mate. Love you, mate. Yeah. Love you. Take care. All done, yeah. Misha, going back home to your family safe as well. Yeah, That's amazing. Respect, mate. You too. Thank you, pal. Goodbye. Nice one. We'll do it again if you want. Yeah. Oh, we might as well just roll into something if you want. Are we, we're going into something? Just going into something. Fuck it. Fuck it. Kane, um, I know you was very aggravated as you left the ring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of, I always kind of get a bit emotional or aggravated after. Uh, we'll pick it back up. Just pick it back up. Kane, yeah, you was aggravated. We saw you very kind of angry as you come out of the ring. Yes. Uh, yeah. I thought I'd done enough. Honestly, I, I did at one point. My corner thought I'd done enough. I was comfortable in there. I didn't really take many shots. Um, and to win a fight, I believe you've got to push forward. He did some jabs to the body and there was some there was some shots he threw, but really I don't feel like I've been in a fight. Honestly, I'll tell you if I've been in a fight and I don't feel like I've been in a fight at all. It was like a tickling competition, it was a touch, just... I didn't get out of second gear, I was comfortable all the way through. Yeah, I don't feel like it was a fight one bit. Um, I thought I was going forward. I thought I won, I nicked it, I thought I would have nicked it really, I'm not too sure. I'll like watch it back and go from there, but I think that's, that might be me now. I might have uh, finished finished the boxing now. Really? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's too hard. It's too hard, and to get... When you just don't... When you don't get there, sometimes, I, I don't know. I think a draw, maybe. I would have, wouldn't have been as pissed off. I'd, two points, I don't know. I'll have to watch it back, but I don't really know. You've been in with some high-profile opponents in yeah, your career, yeah. but it seems to be this one with Akif Fiaz, who's 5-0, and seems to have kind of captured the imagination just because of what happened in fight camp. Yeah. People are kind of interested to see it more so now. So this was like a big moment for you tonight. Yeah, definitely. This is my chance. Uh, I've been out of work for a few weeks, so if I won tonight, I was going to have a year of being a pro boxer and see where I could have took it. But yeah, I didn't get the decision, so... I'm going to take the money I've took from the purse, um, renew some of my licenses and get back on the roof, I think. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My missus as well. I've put family life on hold. I haven't, you know, maybe I've got to try and have a kid. And you're expecting now, aren't you? And In February, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think the boxing's done. Well, listen, you've only just had your fight tonight. It might be one of these things that... Yeah, it might be heat at the moment. It might be heat at the moment, but, you know. But no, I've been talking... To be fair, I did say before I had this fight, 20 with 20 and out. Um, I wanted to end on a win. And then maybe see out the year, but no. No, that's probably it. Done, did. Um, but one thing that does come to an end tonight is this whole... Fia uh, I was going to call it a fiasco. Fiaz uh, <laughs> Saga, um, yeah. Baker Saga, comes to an end tonight. And it was just a nice moment that was caught, caught on camera there. You two kind of just having that mutual respect. I know you, you was aggravated after, but I mean, credit to, to Fiaz, it, that's not down to him. Yeah, you know. and, I, and I always know that even when we was do, doing the, uh, the bit of needle and the, you know, when you, have the, when you have a fight after, 
it's gonna go, it's gonna pass. But up until then, you can play it a little bit and you know dislike him and give it the grief. And then after once you've shared a few rounds, you know you're always gonna get on with him. It takes a man to get in there, and he actually got in there tonight, and he he won. So yeah, that's it. Uh, the better man won. All right. Well, listen, Kane. Uh, whatever you decide to do, good luck. I know we'll keep in touch, obviously. And uh, yeah. Just best of luck in whatever you decide to do after now. Thank you very much. You see me uh, ridging, ridging up them roofs. That's it. Thank you. No, thank Top you. man. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt. Shelly Finkel, Deontay Wilder's co-manager, has confirmed that Wilder has parted ways with longtime co-trainer Mark Breland. Now, in the immediate aftermath of Wilder's loss to Tyson Fury in their rematch, he apparently had already fired Mark Breland. Okay, this was the rumor. We all heard about it. But then because of the public backlash against what he'd apparently done, Mark Breland was then retained. So, you know, they did a a U-turn and they said, okay, we better keep him on just to keep the public happy. That's the way it seemed. Because one of the reasons that Mark Breland being fired left such a bitter taste in so many fans' mouths is because Mark Breland clearly cared about the fighter. That's why he threw the towel in. Because Deontay was never going to win from the position he was in. He was just getting battered from pillar to post every round, getting weaker and weaker. And Mark Breland could see what was happening. And he stood it. He stepped in and said, no, enough. I need to protect my fighter. He didn't want Deontay to end up so damaged in the fight that he would never be the same again. I mean, we've seen that in so many fights over the years. Remember Jeff Lacey? After Calzaghe battered him, he was never the same again. And Mark Breland didn't want to say, um, look, I'm not saying Jeff Lacey's like Wilder or vice versa, but again, when a fighter takes a certain amount of damage in, in a very one-sided fight, it can change them for the worse. Mark Breland knows that himself and he didn't want that to happen with Deontay. In this sport of boxing, unfortunately, there are not many people who genuinely care about the welfare of the fighter. Most people, I mean, look, everybody's out to make money in boxing, of course, but it would seem that the majority put money, I, 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 I want to choose my words carefully because I don't want to be unfair to a lot of people in boxing, uh, but let me just be diplomatic and say this. There are a lot of people in boxing who are just looking to make money and the fighter's health is not a higher priority than their own bank balance. Let's just put it that way. Mark Breland, clearly, from his actions in that Tyson Fury rematch, he ain't one of those people. He's somebody who actually put the fighter's health above his own bank balance. Because apparently there'd been a conversation before the fight and Deontay had told his team in no uncertain terms 
do not under any circumstances stop the fight. Even if I'm in trouble, even if I've been down, don't stop the fight. The ref is going to be the one that stops the fight. And this is why we have this saying that fighters need to be protected from themselves. Yes, so many of them are warriors and they'll go out in their shield. But at the end of the day, there have been some real tragedies in boxing. And I certainly don't want to see more tragedies. I want to try and minimize these tragedies that happen in the sport. And that's why we need cornermen like Mark Breland, who despite what their fighter may have told them or instructed them behind the scenes before the fight, no, Mark Breland is supposed to be there to make sure that nothing really bad happens to his man. And that's what Mark Breland did. So big him up. Now, long preamble, apologies for that. The point I want to make here is that I think that Mark Breland should have been kept on in some capacity, even if he's not a trainer, even if he's just, you know, one of the seconds or in some capacity, you need someone in your team that cares that much about you, that is willing to, you know, do what Mark Breland did. I'm not, you know, horrified by the fact that Mark Breland will no longer be Deontay Wilder's trainer as long as he gets somebody else in. Now, I'm not sure that Mark Breland ever was a particularly great trainer. I, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't have the, the, the correct personality for Deontay Wilder as a trainer because it's not just about what a trainer can teach you. It's about how receptive you are to his methods. So maybe from a personality perspective, they didn't gel. Or maybe Mark Breland is not that good at communicating. And maybe he's not that good at training. I don't know. But if you look at Mark Breland's track record in terms of who he's trained and what he's had them do, there's not really much there. Yes, he was a world champion himself as a pro and a cronk fighter and a great amateur and all that kind of stuff. But that doesn't always translate to becoming a great trainer. There have been some great fighters over the years who didn't turn out to be particularly great trainers. So I'm not really mad at Wilder not having Breland as a trainer, but from what I hear, I'm not sure if it mentions it in this. Uh, yeah, okay. It, it says that JDs will just continue as the main trainer because he was co-training with Mark Breland before, but now JDs will be the sole trainer. See, that is more of a problem. If he was going to get rid of Breland and bring somebody else in, maybe somebody more established, as somebody that has a track record of good results, particularly a heavyweight, I wouldn't have been particularly mad at that. But just sticking with JDs, I don't know, man. I find that a little off. Uh, <laughs> let me know what you guys think in the comments. And I believe this is what Wilder said about Mark Breland throwing in the towel. I mean, if he's... Okay, now I'm sure this was immediately after the fight. You know, where he's talking about how he he Wilder seemed to be suggesting that Breland was like a double agent, <laughs> and they and they he he stopped the fight to help out Fury or something. Yeah, yeah, Deontay, you had Fury right where you wanted him, <laughs> and Mark Breland stepped. It was just like. You really have to wonder about Deontay Wilder when that type of stuff is on his mind. You know, he's not the sharpest tool in the box. But anyway, 
Let me know what you guys think about this. Deontay Wilder getting rid of Mark Breland or parting ways with Mark Breland. And he will now, at the moment, it seems, just solely be trained by JDs. I personally find that troubling. In terms of what other trainers Deontay Wilder could work with, I, I can't imagine he'd want to work with British trainers, but I do think there are a couple British trainers that could actually help him. I mean, maybe Adam Booth might be able to help him because he has experience with Deontay, of course, when Deontay uh, came over to the UK for a couple of uh, training camps with David Hay. So maybe maybe Adam Booth, but again, Booth is based in the UK, so it probably wouldn't work. Uh, Shane McGuigan, these are British trainers. I can't imagine Wilder would want to work with a British trainer. And obviously, logistically at the moment, the way the world is, it, it might not be possible anyway. In America... So many of the great American trainers, and when I say great, I mean that would have been great for uh, Deontay. A lot of them are really old now, and I'm not sure how viable th they would be with a big heavyweight like that. I think he might have died recently. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Curtis Cokes was a trainer I always liked. I think he would have been good for Deontay, Curtis Cokes. Um, Manny Stewart, of course, passed away. You do have trainers out there like Freddie Roach, but nah, that, that doesn't work really for Deontay as far as I'm concerned. Uh, uh, Virgil Hunter. I don't think that style's right for, Deont for Deontay Wilder at all, what Virgil Hunter teaches. There was one trainer that I wondered about, and that is Teddy Atlas. Now, I know Teddy Atlas famously has been really critical of Deontay Wilder and all the mistakes he makes. But... From a personality perspective, yes, Deontay Wilder has let, gotten carried away with his ego and all this kind of business. But Deontay is, with all due respect, a fairly simple-minded individual. And, and somebody who is not particularly bright and what have you, but he's very spirited. You know, Deontay, is a, he has a strong spirit. But, but he's not the most intellectual guy, not the, not the brightest guy. But because he's quite simple, I wonder whether Teddy Atlas's approach, his psychological approach, actually would work on Wilder. Because sometimes with Teddy Atlas, he's so over the top when he's in the corner and he's, we're firemen and all this kind of stuff, screaming at Tim Bradley. And I looked at stuff like that and I was like, like Tim Bradley is a mild-mannered guy. It's so over the top for Teddy Atlas to be talking to him like that. But with Deontay Wilder, when Teddy Atlas is in the corner giving one of his motivational speeches, I think that would actually help Wilder, you know, uh, because Wilder is quite an emotional, highly strong person himself. I think when Teddy Atlas starts talking to him like that, I think it would actually get Wilder really fired up, you know? So stylistically, of course, the customado style doesn't work for Deontay Wilder, but Teddy Atlas didn't only teach that style. You know, Teddy Atlas trained Shannon Briggs, Teddy Atlas trained Michael Mora, and other people who were more boxer punchers. They didn't fight in the traditional peekaboo tomato style. So I'm sure most people will say, no, that's a terrible <laughs> pairing between Teddy Atlas and Wilder Hatman. But I'm just not so much from the technical point of view, but just the personality point of view, more thinking about it. And I don't know, maybe maybe there could be there could be some uh simpatico there you know <laughs> there could be something there that that works between them 
as a fighter and trainer because they're they're both like highly strong people and Teddy does understand the psychology of fighters and Wilder is not a difficult person to understand psychologically yeah and and because he's so because Wilder communicates in this very emotional way he might be receptive to other people who communicate in that very emotional way maybe that's one of the issues of Mark Breland that Breland is is a really calm quiet character and maybe Deontay can't really connect with someone who's like that whereas if he's with a more lively character especially kind of a, an older guy like Teddy Atlas who's got the, the experience maybe they'd understand each other you know more on, on, on an emotional level so I don't know that's just a, a little throwaway thing there for you guys to com- uh, contemplate but let me know what you think in the comments. Deontay Wilder, parting ways with Mark Breland now officially, sticking with JDs. What do you think? Let me know, people. It's how I'm out. Join me on Patreon. I upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week, covering a wide variety of controversial topics, as well as live stream Q&A sessions. Take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts I've produced so far. For just $3 a month, the equivalent of about £2 a month, you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalogue of past podcasts, including my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the Patreon app from the Google Play Store or the App Store for free. The Patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in MP3. For less than the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content. It's easy to sign up, there's no contract, and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on Patreon today. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO, free impartial advice on all your debt. This is Kun Cassis for Eiffel TV in association with MTK Global and Milton Keynes. I'm joined by a victorious uh, Akib Fiaz. Um, yeah, move on to 6-0 and, oh, and uh, the Fiaz-Baker story, as long as it lasted, is now over. Yeah, I'm so, so happy, uh, you know, that... I got the win and that's over. Um, obviously, you can move on with my career now. Um, it's been a long, long camp. Um, you know, a lot of stressful times, a lot of ups and downs, you know, with my own mental health as well, really. But, you know, I've got a good family, good team in Jamie, Nigel, my brother Hassan, my family, great people, you know, and uh, they, they helped drag me through it and, you know, keep me positive. And tonight was uh, the end of that. You can probably answer both these questions. What did you think of the scorecard, first of all, and what did you make of your own performance tonight, aside from that? Obviously, I've got to watch it back, um, but I felt like I dropped maybe two rounds at most. Um, but obviously, it's my first eight rounder. Um, I'm 21 years old. I've only had six fights, and like I've had 20. Um, so I was in there, I was practicing things, you know, maybe dropped two rounds, but you know, a win's a win at the end of the day, and we move on. Kane Baker, very aggravated at the end, and upset and angry. Um, yeah, uh, obviously, not happy with that decision tonight. Yeah, of course. Um, and look, I respect him. He's a fighting man. That's going to be his attitude, isn't it? He'd probably be mine. Um, you know, obviously, you want to win as much as 
anyone else. Um, you know, he put up a good fight. He's tough and, and knew exactly what to expect from him. And that was the game plan. You know, just box, be you know, be mature about it. For for someone who's 21, only six fights in, usually maybe having no crowd there played into my hands because usually I bring a big, big crowd. So maybe I would have fought and at times got involved where I didn't need to. And that's what today was about: not getting involved, um, boxing clever, and mature, like I said. Only six fights for you, but this fight here turned into a little bit of a social media spectacle just because of the situation that surrounded what happened back in fight camp. But I suppose you're going to get used to all this. Yeah, of course. It's the way I've looked at it, and obviously at the time I was down and you know upset about it all and couldn't really put my finger on why it happened, what's, what I'd done to deserve that. But, you know, like, like I walked out to the song today, God's plan. I'm a big, big believer in God. God has a plan, you know, and God's plan is always greater than ours. We plan, but God... God's plans are, you know, always the ones that come come about. And, you know, it is what it is. Listen, what happened, happened. I'm over it. I was in the ring today, boxed, boxed behind my jab, showed maturity and, you know, stuck to the game plan. I didn't get involved and didn't let, you know, that get the better of me. What did Jamie say about your performance tonight? Jamie was happy. Um, we, we thought we won, like, pretty much every round. Maybe two were close. Um, and Jamie said, listen, that's exactly why I want you in fights like that. He said, I can, you know, some people that are five, six and all, fighting the knockover jobs and stuff and you know I'm not at this at this stage and with my first match room fight I could have had an easy fight but I didn't I chose to go straight in the deep end and that just shows the character I am you know going forward in my career you know I'll, I'll be in exciting fights definitely. Okay so onwards and upwards for you now uh, do you anticipate potentially fighting before the year's out again? Oh I'd love to um, you know but obviously we've got to sit down with Jamie, um, Eddie and Steve see what they say, you know, I just, I just follow instructions. Like, I, I don't pick opponents, I don't say, I want to fight this guy, I want to fight that guy, I fight whoever they put in front of me. So, whoever and whenever, I'm ready. Okay, okay, but have you got anything else you'd like to add before we finish? Um, uh, I'd like to thank, obviously, Matchroom, Sky, Eddie, um, you know, for keeping the belief in me and keeping me on the show even after what happened last time. And even though I let them all down, well, you know, I couldn't really control it, but that's how I felt. And, um, you know, thank you guys, and um, I'll be back. And thank you, everyone watching at home. Um, I hope I did you proud and I hope you all tuned in and enjoyed the fight. Okay, Fiaz, thank you very much for talking to IFL TV. Congratulations and uh, yeah, we'll catch you again soon. Thank you, Coogan. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO, free impartial advice on all your debt. chose mm. that opponent to be next um, mm. for the vacant WBC uh, super middleweight title. Again, I'm too nice, me and I, but I'm trying to make excuses for everyone. <laughs> oh, did he choose Yildirim because the zone told him you must pick a, not in a disrespectful way, but a cheaper opponent? Well, supposedly the zone, and again, this is another rumor, the zone didn't want to put on that fight and that's sort of why they're in the yes, middle of the... Yes, but did they say to him, right, uh, A-class fight is going to cost X. Your sort of budget mm -hmm. for the opponent is this. And did that, he then go, well, I'll pick him then. You know, you Could don't be. know. You don't know. Mm -hmm. But also, I think it, it, made, it made for a, 
a spectacular show for Canelo. So mm. if you give him an option and you can look a million dollars and you know it's a behind closed doors and he can go out there and put together all his beautiful variety of shots that he's got and look a million dollars, why would he not choose that? Mm -hmm. um, if he's told you need to pick from this this sort of class as opposed to this class because of as I said before, boxing is a business, so I don't know, maybe I'm just making excuses for people. I mean it looks it looks the way it looks, doesn't it? So I mean no one's really come out. But can you call can, can you call you can't call Canelo a He's not a cherry picker. I will say that much. Hands down he's not. So you made a very valid point. Was it budget? Great fucking question. <laughs> he boxed Kovalev, you know, Kovalev, great fighter, much bigger man, people going, oh, he's coming off of this. I don't think Canelo has ever not wanted to fight somebody. I think if there's ever a, an instance where it came off that way, it was probably down to probably people around him as opposed to him. Because I do believe, I mean, look, a lot of people, and people, Canelo knows that Billy Joe Saunders is a tough opponent and he chose him. So I don't think that he's ducking and swerving. I just know that a lot of people are... are very unpleased when they have had that name, but you you made you brought up a valid point that maybe it is budget, especially if that's why Billy Joe was like, yeah, swerve me with this offer. Mm. So it could have been. You're right, could have been. He's going through a lawsuit currently against his own and um, Golden Boy Promotions. What do you think of that? What do you think of him trying to fight to become his own his own boss to be like an independent? I don't want to say too much because I always thinking you could potentially work with mm, someone or, you know, so you don't want to burn bridges um, that you've not yet crossed, but it's certainly an interesting one. It's one that he's capable of doing, of course. I mean, he's a megastar. Um, but like I say, it's just an interesting one. I'd rather, I'd like to know that. Did they sort of say, right, this is the budget, you've got to find someone yeah. from this sort of budget. It's a great question gone. to ask. But we'll get down to that one. We'll figure that. We'll, I'll get that. But this is the, the question answered. This is the thing. I know people always say, "Oh, boxing is boxing's a business," but it's often it's often said but not really thought about. You know, oh, he mm -hmm. picked him. But the reality is, yes, before Billy Joe accept, accepted um, accepted and agreed terms, there was an offer. I'm not going to call it a lowball offer, but there was an offer that was. Unacceptable. Well, then at the same time, Ben, you then you got to ask yourself, well, you, it's sort of like, my understanding is that Anthony Joshua was willing to take a pay cut because it was behind closed doors, et cetera, et cetera, right? So if the rumors are true and Canelo's not budging on what he's being paid, I guess it could come down to if it means making the right fight, then you should. Okay, sort of okay, budge. okay, but now we're going to get into. <laughs> All the nonsense, but Anthony Joshua is his, his own boss, yeah? He doesn't have, oh, I'm sure, he doesn't have, this is what you're going to get set for a fight, for this fight. Yeah, because I'm sure AJ Boxing does, puts on their own shows along with Matchroom. Mm -hmm. um, so, although you're saying, He's willing to take a pay cut. What he probably means is, I'm aware that I'm probably not going to earn as much as I would in a normal situation. Mm -hmm. But if someone's told you you're going to get 10 million mm -hmm. and then want to give you 
200,000. Well, that's, that's a, a, I mean, that's, that's an extreme, extreme, but I'm yeah. just saying, yeah, mm. for an example, you're not, you're not gonna, if you've already, let's say, okay, 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 but it's better put like this, let's say you're selling your car, mm. again, yeah, but you've already agreed the person's gonna buy it for 10,000, you're not then gonna go when they turn up, you're five. See, the way I see it is Canelo is the type of person that needs to be in with the right type of people to keep himself at the caliber that he's at. So if that meant, if I was Canelo, if that meant that I had to budge, let's just say roughly, on a million dollars, which is fuck all in comparison, let's be honest, with everywhere else you're making the money. So to forget myself, boxing, to forget boxing. if you were selling your car, if you'd agreed £10,000 for your car. Mm -hmm. But then someone come and went, do you know what, I'll give you nine. But you'd already agreed the ten. Well, here's why. Because it's, for example, if I was to sell my car now, given that the current climate of what's going on, and I waited to 2021 to sell it, the value just dropped because we went into the new year. So are you going to keep yourself out of the ring for X amount of time? Because, or, or yeah, because of the network that you're with supposedly doesn't want to put on that fight. Or I don't know, whatever it may be. So, My point so, is, but, but, is that the longer you wait, the, your your value of things yeah, kind of decrease. That, it, yes, but does it decrease by half or more? No, not by half. No. But so, you could budge in areas that could probably compensate. Of course. And people are sensible. Boxers are also businessmen mm -hmm. and have been in the game long enough. So they know that, okay, you know, you could, we can have a deal. It's not silliness, but it has to be done in a, in a sensible way. I'm just way. saying, if the rumors are true and it's come down to the fact that Canelo's not willing to budge on, on money, I'm just saying there are solutions that could keep him in the game fighting top-level opponents. But again, versus... I think you have to respect the fact that he's not coming out and saying, oh, they wanted to give me X amount of paper. You know, he's kept it. Boxing fans don't want to hear it. Well, we know something's popping off because he's suing everybody. Yes. So. <laughs> he's not so he's not happy regardless. Exactly. So. so so would you, would you if you had to put your house on it, would you guess that it's over a decrease of $1 million, $2 million? If you had to guess for him to do that, you'd imagine it's probably unreasonable for him to even think he's got a chance in court. Mm -hmm. With the legal matters, so. Mm -hmm. But I respect the fact he's not come out because people don't listen to all that violence today. So. Hey, fight fans! It's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube channel, make sure you do so by clicking this icon right here, or else. Hi there, I'm Danny Flexen and welcome to the latest edition of Seconds Out Reflections. We're here every Monday at 4.30pm to talk about some of the boxing action we've recently witnessed. And a big show this weekend, certainly in the UK, all due respect to Baron Chick against Zapido, which has made a late bid to be fight of the year for 2020. Uh, but a big show in the UK was Matchroom Show in Milton Keynes, um, live, was broadcast live on Sky Sports. And the main event saw Joshua Buatzi make the latest step towards an inevitable world title shot at light heavyweight. The Olympic bronze medalist stayed unbeaten at 13-0, 11 inside schedule. 
for getting past a tougher than expected challenge, or at least what was widely expected, against Marko Cialic of Croatia. And it's led to a number of questions and criticism, actually, um, for Buetzi, probably on a large scale for the first time in his professional career. He's been widely touted as a can't-miss prospect for some time now. Low-key, not flashy, but very efficient in the ring, clinical, poised. Um, And I think most people were surprised um, by how effective Chalic was, especially early on last night. Buetzi eventually... Got the stoppage, I think it was in round seven, um, with Chalice's corner looking um, almost ready to surrender. The corner man had the white towel in his hand, ready to chuck it in. When the fight was stopped after Chalice had been down once, um, under pressure rather than one you know, heavy shot putting him to the floor. But before all that, um, Buetzi had struggled a little bit, laboured early on. Part of that can be attributed to the fact he hadn't been in the ring for over a year um, due to the COVID pandemic and so on. And this was his big return, maybe needed some time to shake off the ring rust. But Chalic was very effective um, with his um, fast hands, especially very, very um, good hand speed and good head movement as well. He seemed very loose, confident, relaxed in there, as opposed to Buatsi, who seemed quite tense, rigid in the shoulders at times. And... I don't know, we've never really talked much, or generally, I haven't heard much talk, of Buatzi's lack of upper body movement, lack of head movement and flexibility. Maybe it's not been apparent so much in previous fights, but he proved a bit of a contrast to Chalic, um, who was altogether more languid, I think it's fair to say. Um, and he certainly won a couple of the first six rounds, I'd say. Um, Buatzi had a really good first, I thought, pumping out that stiff jab. After that, Chalic really grew into the fight, waited for Buatzi to attack and then countered cleverly and quickly with twos and threes. Um, And Buatzi, I think the biggest thing that struck me from a negative standpoint is that Buatzi looked quite uncomfortable um, under that sort of pressure. Um, As we said, he was quite rigid, didn't really move his head much, preferred to tuck up and wait for the storm to subside, which it always did. But in doing so, he sustained a a quite badly swollen left eye, um, which he was visibly um, discomforted by for the rest of the fight, um, even though he got the job done. I mean, on on the positive side, he adapted his tactics well. He saw that he was getting blocked and countered a lot when going to the head. So he started targeting the body a lot more from around round three, round four. And that paid dividends because not only did it, uh, was he more effective, was he more accurate and able to land to the body, but he managed to slow down his opponent as well and his opponent obviously had that speed advantage so he managed to slow him down tall rangy opponent as well I should say so that that certainly helped Chalich's cause um but yeah um took took the wind out of his sails a bit with those body shots and then began switching to the head again as the fight wore on before really putting the pressure on I think towards the end of round five I think it was um he broke through with his first real sustained attack of the fight and then at the beginning of round seven I believe was when he finished the job. So definitely more positives than negatives, but stuff to work on. And criticism, as I said earlier, possibly for the first time in Buetzi's career on on a large scale. Now, we don't want to kind of be, uh, you know, amateur, uh, you know, I don't know, amateur historians, I was going to say, but I'm not sure that's quite right. But 
we don't want to kind of second guess ourselves now and say, well, everything we thought about Watsi, where we thought he was going, the potential he had was wrong. It's not, but there are flaws there that, that need to be addressed before he makes that step up to world level. And that's a, a pressing concern because he's top three, I think, for both the uh, IBF and the WBA. I mean, I'll, I'll keep him far away from unified champion Arta Baturbiev, who's the IBF champion for now. Um, I think he's a formidable opponent, far more experienced amateur than Buatzi was and certainly fought at a much, much higher level as a pro thus far. So keep away from him. But the WBA situation is slightly different in that Buatzi already holds the international title, which has given him a very high ranking or helped give him a very high ranking. Um, but the WBA has three world champions, not uncommon for that organisation um, in the light heavyweight division. The... Uh, normal world champion, super world champion, whatever it is, the main man for WBA is Dimitri Bivol. Um, unbeaten, impressive, very similar to Buatzi in the fact that he's not someone who's dynamic or, um, you know, high profile. He's not someone who likes to trash talk, but very, very efficient and effective in the ring. Um, very composed, well-scored, technically sound, um, doesn't have the power necessarily that Buatzi has or the same finishing instinct, but just a very good all-round operator and still improving. Um, so, yeah, not reached his prime either physically or technically just yet. And I think you could say the same about Buatzi. But I'm not sure, given Bivol's already fought several and beaten several world-level performers, I don't think Buatzi's quite ready for that yet. So then you look down the list and uh, Jean Pascal having a bit of an Indian summer of his career. He's uh, the WBA uh, regular champion. So, yeah, so Bivol must be the super champion. And if, if uh, I say must be, you're never sure with the WBA. But uh, Pascal, WBA regular champion. But I think most people would agree he is slightly, at least, past his prime now, despite having some recent good results. Um, Top-level light heavyweights tend to beat him at this stage of his career. Uh, and he's got a style kind of... Uh, wide kind of hooks and uppercuts and there's a lot of flair there but he doesn't fight consistently he fights in bursts flashy bursts and he's definitely a you know he'll set traps and and but if you apply consistent methodical pressure on jean pascal he won't will you know he's a very tough guy but he can be subdued to the point of of getting a wide or at least clear points victory that might be something the Boetsy team would consider although the accuracy of those counters, the unpredictability or unorthodoxy of some of Pascal's attacks might be a bit of a worry for Buatzi's team, given how he struggled a little bit early on against Challenge. Then you've got a WBA interim champion. Yeah, try and keep up if you can. I find it difficult myself. Dominic Bazell of Germany. Um, he's fighting actually this Saturday um, against Robin Kresnici, fellow German um, in defence of that WBA interim belt. He's a competent operator, but I think if they were to fight in the next fight, Buatzi would probably start a narrow favourite over Bozell, especially if the fight took place in the UK. I don't know how easy that would be to make, or if Buatzi would be interested in fighting for an interim version of the world title before a regular or super title. However, for the kind of progression of his career, slight step up in opponents, something he can learn from before fighting the real, you know, big boys of the division, Bozell would actually be quite a good fight for him. You know, it wouldn't be a style that he hasn't seen before, but it would be a step up in the level of quality. Um, it'd be someone ambitious, confident, coming to win in the same way Chalich did. Um, but a better fighter than Chalich, I think it's fair to say. So 
If I was, you know, Buetzi's team, I'd be looking at that. Or maybe some sort of final eliminator for the WBA or the IBF. Just to head off that world title shot for a little bit longer, but keep Buetzi in a prominent position where he's ready to challenge the champion at some point next year after he's had a couple more seasoning fights. Because I don't think he's ready for, never mind Baturbiev, definitely not ready for him just yet. But I don't think he's quite ready for a Bivol and maybe not a Pascal just yet. Um, potential still there. I have no doubt he'll go back to the gym. It'll be his own harshest critic because um, he's that sort of guy. He's very professional. He'll work very hard and he will address some of the limitations that were exposed to an extent by Marco Cialic. And, and credit to Cialic also because he came... A lot of people, no one really knew who he was. There wasn't a lot of tape on him. He didn't care about being the underdog. He realised, obviously, he had nothing to lose or very little to lose apart from his unbeaten record. And he went in there and he gave his absolute best. And there were times when it looked like the fight was in the balance. Ultimately, the better man won. But Chalic can build from that. He can learn himself. And he, he could go on to do things in the sport still. You know, he was a good amateur and he could go on to do things as a pro. Now, before I check out, I just want to say uh, congratulations as well to Chantel Cameron. She became Northampton's first ever world champion on the bill, which is no small feat. Um, beating uh, Adriana, they said Arugio. I don't know if it's Arugio or Rojo. Maybe I was pronouncing it wrong for most of last week. Can't be doing much about that now. Um, but yeah, clearly beat her on points. Won every round for all three judges and is now the owner of the WBC Super Lightweight title. She'll grow with the championship and we'll see her in more exciting fights. It was a very disciplined performance from Cameron. Um, boxed circles around an Olympic bronze medalist, which is nothing to be sniffed at. But it must be said that Arugio came in, as we know, at the weigh-in, five and three-quarter pounds over the championship limit of 140. And she looked, you know, her performance reflected um, the lack of training that clearly led to that, um, you know, coming in overweight because she was very slow, ponderous, um, looked like she was walking through treacle um, at times and just never really got close to um, Cameron after the first couple of rounds, tired after the halfway point as well and faded um, and Cameron just stayed on her toes, picked her shots nicely and um, never got greedy, stayed very disciplined so well done to her and also to everyone else on the bill. Um, I did a fight review last night so if you want to know more about the undercard have a look at that um, on the channel. And there's also a fight report for people that prefer to read rather than watch and listen. Um, there's also a fight report on secondsout.com. But yeah, so that's my views on Buatzi and where he goes next. I'd like to know what you guys think. Who'd be a good next opponent for him? I haven't even mentioned Anthony Yard, of course. So some people might have some opinions on that showdown. But let us know what you think is the best next move for Buatzi. What you learned about him from um, Sunday night's performance. Tricky to remember there on Sunday sometimes. Um, and what you think he needs to work on, how you assess his performance, especially given the time out of the ring as well. I'll respond to some of the comments and I'll be back, unless there's any breaking news between now and then, I'll be back on Thursday for Flexpectations, uh, where we'll look ahead to the weekend's action, which includes Liam Williams against Andrew Robinson on a Frank Warren BT Sports show. As always, I really appreciate your time and I will see you all soon. Cheers.
Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt. Andrew McCart, IFL TV, in association with MTK Global. Always delighted to be joined by Regis Progray all the way out in Texas. Uh, how's things, brother? You good? I'm all good, bro. Yeah, just, just all about the poop. These damn kids, that's all. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, let's, let's talk about it, man. We, we spoke a little bit before I pushed record that it will be a year you've been out the ring. Your final October 31st. Yeah, bro. Dan Heraldez, man. What's your thoughts? Yeah. Um. I mean, the dude, you know, he seemed like a tough dude and stuff like that. I don't think, I don't think that, you know, let me get away from these kids. I don't think that, you know, he's, he should be on my level. I'm on the world-class level, but at the same time, bro, I take that for granted. I'm going out there and, you know, I've been like this training camp just been, um, I just can't say I, this training camp been a little different because like, I mean, I just been like, just busting my ass. I've been training three, four times a day. Sometimes every day I train three times a day, sometimes even four. And I just been grinding, bro. I got it. Like this, this fight is, it has to be a statement fight. This fight, I have to go out there and, and, and you know, like basically, um, well, I, I want to, you know, of course, my thing is I want, I definitely want to get a, um, I want a belt again at 140, but, you know, this fight is like, it has to be a statement fight, you know, so I have to, I'm not, I'm not putting, you know, taking anything for granted. I'm not even, you know, caring about like my status and none of that stuff. You know, this dude, this dude is coming to fight, you know, he's one of Mayweather's people, um, you know, and he's coming to fight. He's going to come and beat me because, you know, if he wins, you know, if he wins against me, then he'll be in line for a title, basically. So, you know, I'm going out there and, I mean, just, I got to go out there and just, like, destroy him. That's the, that's the thing. Like, we've, we've seen, like, the 140-pound division. We'll talk about the Baranchik fight and uh, the Peter later on, but we've just seen Josh Taylorman. We've seen Posto versus uh, Ramirez. We've seen, obviously, Baranchik versus Sapida. Your division mm -hmm. right now is on fire. It's hot. You it's know what I mean? It's very, very hot. It's a tough, tough division to be in, man. But mm -hmm. for you, when you say you make a statement, do you need to go out there and put a boxing lesson or go out there and knock this guy out? I got to destroy him, bro. I got to destroy him. If I, 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 don't, I don't think, like, even maybe if I do a boxing lesson, but I, I feel like, you know, I got to go back to being me, bro. I'm, I'm a killer. Inside the ring, I know I'm a killer. I try to go out there and hurt people. I try to knock them out, and I try to, like, the main thing I do, I try to hurt my opponents, you know, so that's what I got to do, you know, boxing lesson, that's cool and stuff like that, but people want to see, you know, this is a huge card, you know, this is, and now they just saying they, um, they gonna let fans in, you know, so, it, and it's at the Alamo Dome, so, fuck, it might be, it might have more damn fans than a damn O2, you know, um, we'll see, um, but, I mean, this, I, I got to put on, you know, got to put on a show, if I do, you know, if I do decide that if I want to box them, then, put on a complete, like, boxing lesson, you know, but people want to see knockouts, bro, and, and we on the San Antonio, you know, that's like, that's like little Mexico, and what they want to see, they want to see knockouts, they want to see blood, and so that's kind of what you got to give them, so, um, so yeah, bro, that's what I want to do. You said to yourself, 
is in Texas. You train in Texas. I believe that you live in Texas just now as well. You've moved from back mm -hmm. from Texas from LA. There's going to be fans there, which we, yeah. in the UK, we're not allowed that yet. We've seen out in top rank in Vegas, there's been no fans, but mm -hmm. could, you, could you count yourself lucky that there's going to be fans there just for you? I, th I think I could, bro. I'm not going <laughs> to lie, bro. I, I, close that door for me, please. Um, yeah, I really think I could because <coughs> um, things just things just keep getting better and better. That's the thing. I don't know why things just keep getting better and better. Yeah, I guess I am lucky, and it's it's crazy because they they moved it from it was supposed to be October twenty fourth, and they just moved to October October thirty first, and um, out here in Texas and stuff, and actually like San Antonio, from where I live, I live in Katy, Texas, and it's like a two hour drive, so it's like. Damn, can it get any better than this? I don't know, bro. Can it? It's just getting better and better and better. So, and then now they're gonna have fans, and it's at the Alamo Dome. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think the Alamo Dome holds about sixty thousand people. So, and um, of course they can't hold full capacity, but what I'm what I what I'm told, I think like seventy five percent. So that's still a lot of still fucking a lot of people. Yeah. That's still a lot of people, bro. So, that um, is more yeah, than that yeah, that's what I'm saying. So. It, it, it might be packed and that people, this is the first one back with fans. So people are going to be coming from all over. And then this is a huge call, you know, Davis and Santa Cruz, the main event. That's, you know, shit. People want to see that too. A lot of people want to watch that fight, you know, and um, I'm just, yeah, I, I, I guess I am, you know, lucky for this. And um, I just, like I said, bro, I can't, I can't wait to go out there and perform again. It's it been a year and like I said, I, I haven't taken anything for granted. I just been training my ass off just every day, this training camp just a bit a little different because I feel like I'm just a little more. I always been serious and I always been focused, but just a little more this time. Like I really, I get up, I go to the gym, I come home, I eat, I take a nap, I train, um, then I chill out, then I train again. You know, and that been every day. It's just been kind of, honestly, it's just been kind of boring for me. You know, but it's it's kind of good. You know, because my last camp when I was like in LA, you know, um. Out after I train, you know, we going to the beach, we going spear fishing, you know, like we going to do all that type of stuff. So here, and, and that's that. This is the main reason why I did move back because of this, because you know, just to be focused again. So, you know, that's you know, I, I just can't wait. Well, I follow you on Instagram, and I I see that every you put loads of videos up. You hitting the tires, like you're always mm -hmm. that little stick thing, man. Fuck that. I don't know why. You yeah, do that. that shit hurt like a fucking goddamn. That shit hurt. I don't even want to think about that. I gotta do it again. <laughs> Probably tomorrow. I hate that shit. Yeah, yeah, man. Like I, I see. I know you. I know that you train hard. Like I see it on your Instagram. But just going back to like the one forty pound division. I mean, mm -hmm. for you to get a title, it's gonna you're gonna have to wait until probably Ramirez and Josh Taylor either right. unify that division and then vacate the belts. Now, mm -hmm. obviously, for you, you'd probably want to face a champion and beat a champion to win the titles back. But are you bored if you fight for the vacant title, or do you want the winner of Ramirez and Josh. Um, I want the. I, I still want to fight Josh again. I think that's a huge fight. You know, I think that's a huge money fight. No matter where, um, you know, me and him have to have a rematch, even if it's at one forty. Most likely, it'll probably be at one forty-seven. Me and Ramirez, I definitely think me and me and him have to fight. You know, me and him, we always had words and stuff like that for a long time. So I think that's a big money fight. Also, um, as far as the titles go, I don't know. You know, I'm, I mean, my, my goal now, my goal is to be a champion again at 140 before I go up to 147. Now, of course, money-wise, and, you know, they might come at you with a crazy, stupid deal, and then you'd be like, all right, fuck it, I have to do this. You know, I have to go to 147 or whatever. But 
in my head, it's just something that I want. I want to be a champion again at 140 before moving up to 147. So, um, and if I, I mean, I don't know, bro. It's just like you, you in boxing, you just never know what's going to happen. So, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. What is, what is looking like, of course, you know, in a perfect world that, you know, um, Ramirez and Taylor will fight each other and then the winner probably will move up to 147 um but that's in the perfect world and we all know boxing is not perfect yep. it's not a perfect world so you just never know so it's kind of like i said that's kind of what's stuck in my head that you know i want to be a champion again at 140 before moving to 147 and that's just that's just kind of stuck in my head and then we'll we'll kind of go from there you know if if it's if plans need to change which most likely plans will change plans always change but if it needs to happen then it needs to happen but that's just kind of what i want to do right now uh, before I move up to 147, be a champion again. Thing is, as well, I'd love to get your your thoughts on that fight, because I can remember when I was out in Dallas last July, so over a year ago, you said to me that Josh Taylor would smoke Ramirez. Now, I know you you said boxing, anything can happen in boxing. Now I've seen mm -hmm. Josh against Kong Song. Which I get your two parts of this question. What was your thoughts on that fight, Josh and Kong Song? What were your thoughts on Ramirez and Posto? And who wins? Who wins against Ramirez and Josh now? I, I still got Josh, bro. I ain't gonna lie. Like, I mean, I got, I, I still got Josh Taylor against um, Ramirez. Um, that's just, it's just my personal thought. Not like I always tell my predictions are always off. So, if you ever bet, if you're a betting man, never go with my word because I'm always <laughs> off. You know, but I, I, I just think Josh Taylor will beat Ramirez. Um, Ramirez and Postal. Some people had Postal winning. You know. As far as Ramirez goes, you know, I think he's a he's a great human being. He's, you know, like probably one of the best like people you can out mm -hmm. there, basically, you know. But um as far as champion wise, he's a good champion. But you know, he had as a champion, he had two close fights. You know, he had the fight with he had a fight with Zapata, which had an outstanding knockout last night, and then he had the fight with Postal and you know. I can't say Postal won that fight, but a lot of, in a lot of people's mm -hmm. eyes, Postal won that fight. And of course, Josh Taylor. Now we we all know Josh Taylor didn't really fight nobody, but he it's not his fault. He went out there and did what he's supposed to do. I think Bob Aaron was mad. He had to pay for that shit because he had he just went. Yeah, Bob was. I think he was pissed off because he had to pay Taylor for just a, a fucking destruction of that dude. That dude went back to Thailand with his money. He like fucked it up straight. But um, you know, but it's it's not his fault. He did what he's supposed to do. The IBF, I think that was the IBF. Yeah, they ordered that. So hey, mm. you do you do what you're supposed to do, right? But you know, the fight is now is is Josh Taylor and Jose Ramirez. Wait, bro. Um, so yeah, it's um it's them two next, and I you know hopefully they that top rank after I think after this they're gonna after this fight the 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 card I'm on with fans top ranks should start letting people in too. They gonna try to do the same thing, of course, and um if. Hopefully, if they fight, but Josh Taylor and Jose Ramirez fight, then you know I'll, I'll definitely be ringside for that, no matter where. So I definitely want to watch that, you know, get the win or whatever I need to do. But um, I still, I still edge Josh Taylor. Now I, I don't think now I'm not gonna. I don't think he's gonna blow him out at first, like I thought. I thought you know he'll just blow away Ramirez, but I don't think he'll blow him out. But I, I still think you know if he's if he's smart, you know. Now I know Josh Taylor has he has a, a big set of nuts on him too. You know he'll get in there and fight and stuff like that. You know, but um, is it the smartest thing to do with Ramirez? I don't know, but um, I never tasted um Ramirez's power, so I don't know myself personally. But I just think that you know, if he if he does the same thing that Zapata did and 
post all did, I think he can. I think he could definitely beat him. Did, have you still are you, is your deal with PBC? Is that just for one fight? Is that a one fight deal? One fight, one fight, one fight. Mm-hmm. Do you, have you got any plans for after this fight? Then have you have you been speaking to other promoters or anything along them lines? We after that we're just kind of taking it fight by fight. You know, I'm gonna take it fight by fight and then kind of see you know see where it's gonna go. Um, I, I kind of don't want to think too far in the future because I have to do this fight first. I have to get past this fight, and once I get past this dude, then you know then I you know I can have the plans. You know, but I think they have a plan for me. You know, I think they have a big big plan to making for me, but. First off, you know, it's kind of hard to, you know, I don't want to think about that because I still have a live opponent in front of me, you know. So mm-hmm. he's going to, like I said, he's going to come to fight. He's going to come to do what he got to do because, you know, everybody right now, everybody wants those belts. You know, Zapata just had a fucking amazing knockout last night against Baranchek, and, you know, he wants to be a champion, and he never been a champion, so he hungry. You know, mm-hmm. I want to be – I'm hungry because I want to be a champion again. You know, and you you got a lot of people that's you know they they want those belts. You know, I think they got Salcedo and Barbosa fighting, which is a good fight. They want to be champions. Um, it's it's a lot of people, you know. So I, I'm glad like the division is finally heating. It's really heating back up, you know. So I think it, you know, it depends on the the two champions right now, what they're gonna do and how that fight, you know, pans out. And then after that, then you know we'll see what's gonna happen with the rest of the division. The, the thing is, Bobby just is like. Do you, you said to yourself that the division's hot. So what, mm-hmm. like, where, what do you have to do to maneuver yourself into that number one position again to be to be the next guy in line? Because like you said, Cepeda's hungry. He's coming off a great knockout win over Ivan Branchek. I'll get your thoughts mm-hmm. on that fight as well. Um, so what do you have to do? Do you have to blow this guy out again and then possibly maybe fight somebody like a Cepeda because he's on fire right now? And then probably so. Yeah, yeah, probably so. I would think so. I would think you know like um Cepeda um. Um, you got like I said, you got Salcedo and Barbosa fighting. Depends on the outcome of that fight. Um, you know, yeah, and 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 I gotta, you know, I gotta do my first off. I gotta do my thing with this dude on the thirty first. You know, then once I do my thing with him, then we'll kind of plan it out. You know, so, um, so yeah, I gotta, I gotta just the first step is just doing my thing with this dude, and then after that, maybe we'll see. Maybe maybe the Zapata fight might be for the belt or something like that one day, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe it might be for the belt. Maybe it just depends, bro. Cause the boxing is just a, a crazy, crazy game. You can, you only take it fight by fight. You know, I'm yeah. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure last night, Berenczak was thinking, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then, you know, that, that happened, you know, as a paid probably planned out something else and, and, and his outcome is going to change. You know, it depends. It, it's just a fight by fight basis. You never know what's going to happen. So you just plan it out fight by fight. And so all you got to do is, me, it's personally, I just got to go out and do my thing on the 31st. And then after that, then, you know, then see where it's going to go. I just want to get your thoughts on Cepeda Baranchik. I mean, you, you obviously watched the fight. Was, is that a mm-hmm. lock for fight of the year? That, that's fight of the year, for sure. Fight of the year, knockout of the year, that's, that got to be. Yeah, that's, that got to be a fight of the year and knockout of the year, man. That was oh, but you, wait, wait, wait. wait. Your, your fight hasn't been yet. You might get the knockout of the year. You, you never know. I ain't get, you're right. I ain't get it yet. But as <laughs> far right now... That's fucking knockout. I can put myself behind. Yeah, that's fucking knockout of the year right now, bro. That that was fucking crazy, bro. It's it's it was sad for Borenchek. Honestly, bro, it's it's gonna be hard for Borenchek to come back from that. You know, like he's a he's one of the strong Russian fighters, and you know he comes forward, and I think they have pride in you know having a chin and all that type of stuff. I don't think some some people last night was like, yeah, Pacquiao got knocked out. Like Pacquiao was the eight division world champion before he got knocked out. Like 
you know, a seventh division, whatever he was, you know. So that's that's a big, big difference. So, you know, his confidence might be zapped. Um, and it's it's going to be really, really hard to come back from that, you know. Um, so, yeah, bro, but I think that's definitely got to be knockout of the year. Fight of the year and knockout. It was just fireworks from the opening bell. So yeah. it was a it was a good-ass fight. I totally agree with you, brother. I totally agree. Finally, Regis, you're fighting on the 31st of October against Juan Geraldes. You've got mm -hmm. fans in the arena. For the fans watching here in the UK, you've got a big fan base over here in the UK. What can we expect from you on October 31st? Fireworks, bro. That's the main thing. Boxing is entertainment. I plan to entertain y'all. That's, you know, it just got to be fireworks. You know, I'm definitely, I'm going to go out there and, and, and just do my thing like I've been doing. That's the main thing, bro. Um, Like I said, I, I made the move back to, back to Texas and back to where I need to be. And I just been just grinding so fucking hard right now. Just, you know, like the little videos people see on Instagram and shit. That's like a minute of fucking hours of what I do a day, you know, so um i just you know just been grinding my ass off been killing myself every day to you know just i, I really want to be I, I i used to look in I, I i have a subscription to the ring magazine and every time i looked in it i was the number one and now i'm not number one no more and that bothers me sometimes so i'm working my ass off to get right back to that spot again number one spot be a world champion again and you know so i i have to do that it's just i'm way hungrier and you know i mean I, like I said, I've always been hungry. Yeah, I've always been hungry for boxing, but I think it's it's different now. You know, the that, that loss, it's like, it really, like, awakened something. A little different, you know? So, I just can't wait, bro. I can't wait to get back in the ring. Yeah, can I, brother? I'm a, like I said to you, I'm a fan of yours, and I love the way you fight. I mean, I, for me, you and Josh Taylor was fight of the year last year. So, um, right. I, I hope that you two do get that on as well. So, I'm friends mm -hmm. with you years, and it's a great fight for me on a personal level. But we just, good luck on October 31st. I will be watching. Like I said, I'm a fan. Um, but right now, stick in. I know your beautiful wife is pregnant, so I hope that's all going well. Yeah, bro, that's another crazy thing, bro. So October going to be a busy month, bro. Like, so my, my son's birthday is the 20th. I was supposed to find the 21st, the 20th, yeah, the 24th, but that's not happening anymore. So October 31st. So my son's birthday is the 20th. The baby's supposed to be doing the 30th. And I'm fighting on the 31st. So most likely I won't be here for the birth of the baby. But, you know, got to do, you know, got to do what I got to do. Bring the money in. You got to bring the money in, bro. Got to bring the money in, you know. And this, this is not the first one. She'll be all right. <laughs> but it's not the first one. She'll be all right. You know, it's the third one and stuff like that. So, you know, she'll have some help and all that. But, yeah, bro, like, I got I got a very, very busy month in October. So, you know. So as long as, as long as you're smiling, brother, as long as you keep a smile on your face, man, it's all good. Um, yeah. Thanks for doing this fight, Phil TV. Good luck on October 31st. Hopefully, I'll get a catch up after your fight if you don't mind, and we'll, we'll take you. it from there. But we just thanks again, brother. I appreciate your time. All right, bad bro. Thank you, bro. Thank you, sir. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO, free, impartial advice on all your debt.